this one is not going to be us telling you what we do or do not believe right now. Right. This is going to be the stories of what it looked like when we chose to stay in the church of our own accord <laughs> before we backslid. <laughs> it's like sinking in and making me laugh. <laughs> All right, I am here. I'm ready. Let's do it <laughs> before we backslid. Hi. Hi. Welcome to What the Hell podcast. Mm-hmm. This is episode 12. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Brittany. And we're talking about some good stuff today. I'm excited. Listen, no one is as excited as my mom (laughs) to hear what actually went down in my 20s as a Christian. But before we get into all that stuff, I'm just kidding. I don't even think my mom has ever listened to this. (laughs) Joke's on me. She's never heard this. (laughs) Um, No, but before we get into all of that, thank you guys so much. Last week was, I think, one of the most responded to podcasts we've had so far in terms of you guys reaching out like yeah. DMs and messages and text messages and totally. Oh my gosh, everybody was really into the power team. Yes, in the nineties. Yes, I actually had a few about salty as well and salty. Yep. Wow. I mean, it's great to hear. Some of you uh, didn't know about human videos. Some of you definitely knew about human videos. I know. It's very exciting. I know. The one thing, like a, a sad point, is nobody sent us any human videos. No, but there's still time. (laughs) You're not out of time. We're waiting. Yeah. If you're still alive, make us a human video. It's all we really wanted. Yeah. Just do it in a TikTok form. It could be real short. Oh my gosh. What if somebody got like internet famous from TikTok from doing human videos? videos? That would be amazing. I don't even know if I know how to access TikTok right now, but... (laughs) I would figure it out for you that's, if you made yeah, us something. That's so funny. I was at brunch with some friends this morning, and um, because one of my friends just turned 30, we're all in our 30s now, the people at brunch, and um, not one of us knew what to do about TikTok. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> with TikTok, even today, I ended up on like the Facebook videos where it's just like random thing after random uh-huh. thing, and it was like somebody had put a bunch of TikToks all together, and then I can kind of... That's how I want to watch it. But I like, like, this is consumable. I need like a compilation of multiple of them, um, all of these challenges and competitions. But then I feel very old. So. I know. It makes me feel so old. Yeah. Uh, well, it's because we are. Yeah. And the way that we know that we are is because our Christian young adulthood was like over a decade ago. That is true. Yeah. yeah I know. Um, so all that said, if you listened to last episode, thank you. Uh, we would love if you left us a rating and a review. Mm-hmm. It's really helpful. Uh, Brittany found something very cool this week. You want to tell everybody the cool news? Uh, yes. We finally made it on some charts. What? <laughs> they just let that happen? I mean, they're just letting anybody on there these days. So, so cool. Very exciting. I mean, we... We're doing this because we love it. We want to spend time with each other and you guys. But like these little things that happen where there's actually other people listening to us than just our best friends is yeah. kind of fun <laughs> to see. And it's motivating. Yeah. It's like playing best fiends and getting the yeah. upgraded fiend. <laughs> That's how it felt. Yeah. No, it's awesome. So, I mean, it makes a big difference. It'd be awesome if you could leave us a rating. Um, and we would love it if you would leave us a review, just your thoughts, feelings about, I don't know, what this podcast, um, 
means to you or what you think about it or whatever you want to say. We appreciate it. Totally. We really do. It makes a difference. And it's just motivating. Anyway, uh, this episode, last week we kind of hinted that this was like a part two. And I guess in certain ways it could be considered a part two. Sure, yeah. But it definitely is a standalone topic. Um, Our – Last talk was about growing up in the Christian culture and a lot of really fun, like, goofy stuff from growing up that way. It was really – it is such – I mean, like with anything – is it a culture? Is it a community? We'll never know. <laughs> but growing up, it was in a lot of ways a community. And a lot of those things were really beautiful and just fun. I yeah. mean, everybody grows up in something. Yeah. Like whether it's your Boy Scouts or your Girl Scouts or your standard Christian cult, yeah. you grow up in something. <laughs> and lots of those things stick with you in a lot of positive ways. So we had a great talk about that. But this week is kind of the next evolution of growing up, which mm-hmm. is those young adulthood years are, you know, late teens to early 20s going to college, you know, we're at that age where are you going to continue down this walk with the Lord? Yep. Um, and we did. We did. We chose and to continue when we didn't have to. When we didn't have to. And, you know, a disclaimer that we did put in the last one, which I'll keep short, is um, all opinions herein are our own. And um, <laughs> they're also based on, you know, our experiences. Nothing is ever to make fun. We talk about a lot of things in a humorous way. Um, and I can be super cynical. But nothing is ever meant to be offensive. Yeah, so totally. So there's that. Yeah. Keep that in mind. And if this does offend you, your option is always available to turn us off. Yes. Please do. <laughs> yes. If you don't think we're funny. Yeah. So we had a good time. We don't usually talk so much about this, but we had a good time trying to name this episode. Yeah. And I don't even know if we talk about it because we might change it before this airs. It's true. But we've gone through a lot of iterations and we, we landed on this at least for the moment. Yeah. I'm excited. We landed on... Before we backslid, colon, Christian culture in our 20s, the 2000s plus. Yes. (laughs) That's the title. What the hell? Hey, what the hell? (laughs) So that's where we are. And that's tongue in cheek. That's being funny. But that's also paying homage or homage, however you want to say it, to the idea of backsliding, yeah. which I feel like we should explain. Well, I was just about to say, I feel means. like we probably need to explain that t- yes. to our the audience that may be Christian but didn't grow up in the specific right. denomination that we did. Um, to backslide basically means to – it was a, a, a term that was used to reference people that walked away from the faith or stumbled. Maybe they were starting to walk away, but they're confused. Um, but basically, when people say, oh, they backslid – they may have taken a year or two off of Christianity and come back, or they may have walked away entirely. Entirely, or just were deceived, not necessarily yeah. the walk away, but the deception, uh, you know, by the enemy that now you're – salvation essentially is null and void. True, yes. You know? Yeah. So there's a few different ways to look at that. But like, you know, the term backslide or backslidden, whatever, is often used in the context of the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. Which, you know, he went off and sowed – is it sowed your wild oats? He sown? Sowed. Sowed. He sowed his wild – That sounds weird. It sounds bad. (laughs) He went and just screwed around a lot. And then came back and, you know, the dad opened his, you know, welcomed him with open arms and all this kind of stuff. But during that period in which he was not following, I guess it wasn't the Lord then, God. But he was like not following the path that was kind of laid out for him. During that time he was backslidden. And again, I don't even think that's a term. We talked about some things last week where there are terms that are not even in the Bible, but we use them. Yeah. I I mean, um, I don't think that's universally. I don't think that word's in the Bible at all. 
But yeah. anyway, it's just interesting. Yeah. Um. So that's <laughs> the that's defining our our potential title for the week. I think last week we left off talking about our high school years. Like we're yeah. getting close to finishing high school, going to college, yeah. and we're still really immersed in this Christian culture. Talked about youth group and kind of what that looked like I, a little bit. We didn't talk with tons about youth group, but yeah. Well, there's not a whole lot to talk about with it. It's like. We said we loved it. There was the lock-ins. There are things like that uh-huh. that we mentioned. Um, another big part of youth group. Well, it's weird because I've I saw what I'm about to talk about both sides of this, but a big yeah. part of youth group was something called mission trips, and not just youth group, like church in general. Mm-hmm. And these are things where the church or people specifically individually would raise money to go minister to people in another country typically sometimes it was within the united states it might be to another city but a lot of times it would be overseas so you know each person would have to raise like thousands of dollars um to go on this week or two week long trip you want to hear something crazy that i'm just like thinking about right now i never went on an overseas missions trip ever never did Mm -mm. you ever go on a missions trip only like within the state okay yeah, to like really like poor areas of the yeah. state and things like that. Yeah. Um, or like migrant areas and things too. That makes sense. You know, yeah. but um, like my family was so poor, we couldn't afford a missions trip <laughs> and you don't got to pay for that. Somebody <laughs> else pays for that. <laughs> I know, but there's like, oh, I feel like there, we could go down a whole path of this, of just my thoughts, which I guess we might as well were here. But um, I mean, that was a big part of youth group. And then on top of that, because I was a missionary, we then, I spent the rest of my life having people come over to South Africa on missions trips and seeing like hundreds of youth group kids where they'd come over and have this sort of encounter with, if you want to say encounter with Christ or encounter, I would just say encounter with some kind of other culture. And, you know, people would come back to the States and some of them it would be life-changing and they literally would – like I know a lot of people that would like come back and be like, I'm not going to go study this anymore as my major. I'm going to go do the other thing. Like their entire vocation. Yeah. And then for other people it was just like sort of a high, like this um, missions high if you want to say where you're just helping people and it's really to make – it's to make – it makes them feel good and there's a huge – part of that I think in mission trips is obviously you are helping people. Yeah. Do you think there's something inherently wrong? I don't think there's something inherently wrong. Okay. When we were growing up, if you felt good about helping somebody, you kind of couldn't talk about it. Yeah. You're not supposed to talk about it because it's supposed to be so selfless and so about them. I'm like, everything about that goes against human nature. And you know what? Let's follow that path down a little deeper. If God is like saving us from our sins and all this stuff, he's got to feel pretty good about it. It's true. You know what I'm saying? That's a good point. But we're not allowed to feel good about going and helping somebody. Yeah. So I don't know how I feel about that, that you're supposed to like hide that you got something out of it too that has mainly to do with just how how you feel and just your emotions. I mean, I think that's just – it was like a – not cultural, but – I honestly, it is cultural. It is cultural. I also struggle with it now. Like I was yeah. listening to a podcast and basically they were talking about – and I noticed this on social media too where people are sharing like, oh, I helped this person or – to me it can sometimes come across as like boasting. And yeah. so it's like, 
oh, good for you. You you helped this person and now I need to share it with the world. Uh-huh. And I struggle with that a little bit because it feels like, well, how do I know that it's genuine? But at the end of the day, it's like you still help you somebody. You still help somebody. And me seeing that might inspire somebody else to help somebody. So I can understand how it's not a bad thing, but there's something right. inherently, it feels like it's supposed to be something we hide. Right. Well, I think it's also to approach. I think you can say certain things in a certain way and just sound like a dick. Totally. And just be like, it absolutely is. Wow, congratulations. And what I hate is when people go, this isn't about me. This is about what the Lord is doing through me. Like, save it. Yeah. You know, those kinds of statements. But also, I'm completely fine with somebody posting something about whatever they did to help someone, not necessarily in a mission trip sense, but helping someone um, and just – Using it as a tool to be like, these people need help. Let's all do something. Totally. Like that feels really different. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think that – I think that a lot of times with mission trips with us growing up, it wasn't so much about evangelizing to other people. It was about evangelizing to our own kids and youth so that they would grow up and like stay on this. Yeah. Like they saw something and now they're going to be committed. Yeah. You know? No, I agree. And I I mean, I personally, it's a slippery slope because most of my family are involved in some kind of ministry. Yeah. And so it is, it feels personal, especially since I was a missionary kid, but – I really struggle with the whole idea of missions trips. Honestly, even missionaries in general, I just feel like it's an inefficient use of funds, like just purely based on that. Like I think it's really, on the one hand, it's really cool that people got to experience another culture. So whether it's through the guise of going to hope that you save a child and show them Jesus, that's great. You know, a lot of people were exposed to other cultures, and I think that in and of itself is a great experience. Yeah. Um, I do struggle with the whole, like, let's spend all this money to get all these people over there. And it would depend on the context. Like, we had people come over, and they would literally build, help us build a building on, like, a at a school. And I'm, I'm yeah. like, that's great. But then I could also say, could we have taken that same amount of money that was spent to fly people? You know, it would cost, like, $2,000 per ticket to get somebody over to South Africa. And could you take all that money they raised, say, four grand to come over, multiply that by 30 kids. And hire, like, local help exactly. or something. So yeah. I think that's the part I struggle with is I don't I don't think anybody has, like, ill intent, but I do think there's a more effective way to use those funds. Right. But then I also know, well, you got to raise the funds somehow. And if this was the way they did it, then fine. Right. And it can have an impact on that specific person to continue to do more because they saw it with their own eyes. Totally. There's something powerful about that too. No, I totally I But agree. I hear what you mean. I think the context makes a difference. And like I, I don't follow mission trips for the sake of evangelizing. But yeah, I like agree. you need yeah. to go and do something. Get your hands dirty and do something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's a uh, organization that our family has known for a long time called Convoy of Hope, you know, and they're basically a disaster relief organization, you know, and cool. I think there's like these kind of like my mom went on a missions trip this last year where it was like a medical mission trip where they it was just like nurses and doctors and then a few other helping hands that went to Haiti mm-hmm. and literally went to a community and provided medical care. And so I think those kinds of things are amazing if that's if it's actually like helping someone and it's not just about like I need to show them Jesus because right. you know at this point that part for me is not important. It's more about how do we actually meet literal needs of people like oh I am as Jesus said oh I am hungry and you gave me food oh I am sick and you gave me help you know those kinds of things. Yeah. 
I, I struggle with it if it doesn't have to do with that. Because sometimes I feel like I can just feel like a help me give me money so I can go explore mm-hmm. another country and take pictures and Oh, totally. You know. Well, I think that comes down to, though, also where we are in our faith or lack thereof is because what we're talking about basically is philanthropy. Yes. Versus missions. And they are, they do have a different mission. They do. You know? Yeah. What we're saying is, let's stick with philanthropy. Yeah. Wow. I am going to get so much hate from certain people. It's I, okay. Me too. That's okay. We're it's speaking okay. our truth. It is. Um, if it but, makes you uncomfortable, that actually probably says you might want to look at why it's making you uncomfortable. Well, it, the, that is such a great point because these types of conversations are what got me to where I am now. Yeah. I. Me too. Because I was so uncomfortable and somebody challenged me and I had to step outside myself and go, well, that doesn't make sense. Or it's like, <laughs> why do you have such a visceral reaction to maybe this, maybe you're sitting listening to this and you're like oh my goodness these two and how could they think this and it's like well why is that making you so uncomfortable right i would i would challenge you to take a step like you were saying and just think about it for a little bit right and this is also a bigger topic but i remember being challenged by somebody one time and they basically said like is good without god still good Mm. and i was like i don't know and now you would know. say, and now I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But I really struggled with it before. Yeah. So, well, I think that bring. I'm, I know we're gonna move on to something else too, but I feel like just you saying that good without God. I think forever. I remember always struggling with the question of if somebody's just inherently good. Like yep. I would bring this up to my parents and to yeah. other people in the church, and they're just good. Let's say they've never heard God, or maybe they have, but they're just amazing, good people, and they do not do anything wrong essentially they're human and like this whole idea of no but you must accept jesus into your heart and all of that whole story i really feel like the point of life is like we're supposed to be good and we're supposed to be examples and follow in the steps of jesus or be the kind of person he was and there's so many people out there who are not christian or maybe once were and are being those people they're being the jesus in the world but they may not be christian and you can't tell me you can't convince me that if there is a god that he's not looking at those people and thinking well you are welcome in my family or whatever however you want to phrase that totally so anyways sorry that just made me think of that no sorry. There are no sorry. <laughs> no sorry. But I completely agree with you. That was a huge part of the high school years was yeah. missions. Like, what are you doing? Where are you going? What are you saving money for? And again, weird that I didn't go on any out of country, probably because I would have had to buy a passport. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was don't gonna know. Say, were they even, was that even something in your church that they did? Uh, different ones. Yeah. A big thing when we lived in Key West was going to the Bahamas. Okay. Um, For things in Haiti and places yeah. like that. But I never went on any of those. Yeah. Um, I guess I was pretty young when we were in Key West. I was like 12 when we moved. So that's yeah. pretty young. When you were coming to the decision of like what you were going to do for college, did you ever have a thought that you would do anything besides go to a Christian college? Not really. It, it is one of my regrets, to be honest. Because it was so expensive? Well, yes, that. But also I was second in my class. And looking back... In college you were? No, sorry. In, in high school. Like I had really both Curtis and I were like top of our class and I'm mad at myself that I didn't even think about like could have gone into some more like elite schools which would have been even more expensive than the Christian school but at the end of the day it was kind of like no this is still what was encouraged and it was for Curtis too and it's where my parents went I didn't go to the school they went to but that's what they did and yeah so that you you and Curtis have broken up though right so like when you picked your college 
Yeah. Were you just in communication with each other or like what was that about? We had we had both talked about a couple different colleges. So of in the Assemblies of God, I don't know how many there are now, but at the time I'd say there was probably somewhere in the 10 to 15-ish range um, of all across the states that were like in our denomination. Mm-hmm. And his parents went to one in California and that's the one he was looking at going to. And then I was thinking about Southeastern, which was in Florida because a lot of my family was in Florida. But we also were going to work School of Missions, which was we were going to be camp counselors at this camp that they put together in the summers for new missionaries coming through. So it's like all these missionaries that would have been training to go overseas or missionaries that have come back. They, it's just kind of like a bonding slash training thing for the kid and the kids. There's a whole summer program. So we were already planning on working that even before we broke up. Okay. And I think because... That was also going to be right there where Evangel was, where we ended up going to college. We, like, also applied there just thinking, like, if either if he's not going to California and I don't do Florida, somewhere in the middle would be Missouri. And yeah. to us, it's, like, all kind of whatever because we don't have any context. Totally. Nobody told you Missouri was Is in Missouri. the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just kind of a thing where I think we really weren't considering it at all. And then we kind of made some friends that summer and it was like, well, this at least has some people we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't – when looking back, it wasn't some big like, oh, my gosh, I got yeah. into this college because like they would – Anybody can get into these colleges. So. You pay them. Yeah. Uh, wait, so did you guys do that um, camp counselor thing? You didn't do it? We d- did oh, we it? did. We worked oh, that did. summer and we were broken up that whole time. What? Yeah. Were you making doughy eyes at each other the whole time? Uh, I think he was pretty pissed off at me that whole summer because I had broken up with him for like the millionth time. And then you're finally going to be in the same place at the yep. same time and you're not together? Yeah. Wow. You did him dirty. I did. You did curdy dirty. Yeah. <laughs> How have I never said that before? <laughs> yeah, it was wow. a sore subject. Yeah. Okay, I needed to know. Yeah. So it just was one of those things where it's like, this makes the most sense based on... Like geography and yeah. also just like, hey, we met some friends and I don't know anybody in California. So I wasn't I wasn't even ever considering Vanguard where he was talking about going. And Southeastern for me was kind of like... It just all seemed the same to me. It didn't matter that one was in Florida or Missouri. I, I didn't really care about the geography. To me, okay. it just meant no matter what, I'm not anywhere near my family. So, yeah. but the Christian part mattered. mattered the Christian too part at the time. did matter at the time. Yeah, yeah. Like you wanted to go to a Bible-based school. I I felt like that was the expectation, okay. but I also didn't really know what it would look like to not yeah. do that. Well, it's part of like the society that you're in too. Yeah. It's like that's what most people I know yeah. are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, from ages 12 forward, grew up in um, Lakeland where Southeastern University is. Mm-hmm. And my sister had gone, my parents had gone there. It's where they met. And then my sister had gone there. But I never, I considered it for like a hot second. Yeah. But I also was like, I got, um, thankfully like scholarships through school. Yeah. And, um, they did not cover private school. So because I had those scholarships, like the Christian college thing was never, um, kind of on the table for me. It was like, I can't afford it and this is going to pay for me to go to school. So it wasn't a thing. Yeah. But there was a part of me when I was younger that kind of wanted to go to the school my parents went to. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it seems like even when we decided to go to these schools, the money part for me was just like, I I couldn't even process it. I was like, well, to me, school 
any school would equal I had to pay for it. So like in terms of one would be way less versus one would be way more, it was kind of like all felt the same, even though that's not the case. I didn't really have somebody sit down and, and explain like, hey, if you applied to this school, mm-hmm. you this like didn't have someone go like one plus one equals two. So if you go to apply to this school with these grades, you could get a full ride. Like yeah. that wasn't ever really explained. It was kind of like I understood the money part in the sense of you're going to need scholarships it's going to be a lot of money, but I didn't understand. Um, and I think that's also a cultural thing because I was in South African schools. And so mm-hmm. I didn't have the counselors or all everybody that's prepping to go to college and like trying to get into schools and like, what do you need to get into this school? Like that didn't exist. Did you ever consider doing Dun 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 Master's Commission? I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, should we explain what master's commission is? You should because you can actually explain it way better than me. I knew people in master's commission who came into my youth group and did stuff. Yeah. But like I was never doing master's commission. Yeah. But yes. I mean, I'll, I'll try to explain my perception of it. I don't know if I'll even get this accurate either. But master's commission is a program that is run by a church and is something that someone would attend following high school. So usually if you're sort of between going to college or not going to college, it's kind of where you could spend a year or two working for the church, kind of in a volunteer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they had any type of payment or no, anything. No, I, I think it's basically you're sort of committing your time to the church. And a lot of the bigger master's commissions ended up working with other colleges where they would get like college credit for their participation in you know the church activities. And mm-hmm. then that would entail them doing everything from helping with the youth group to just all kinds yeah. of things. It's like a discipleship program, it is, right? It is. Yeah. But also like a a lot of them know they're going to go get into ministry. So I think some of them are trying to figure out, are they going to go to college or yeah, just trying to figure out. It's yeah. like that gap year sort of thing. A- except spend- it's the stand in the, in the gap with Jesus year. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my God, all the Christianese. Yeah. Um, it's almost like a uh, Peace Corps for Christians who don't go overseas to help people. For Assemblies of God, yes. For the Assemblies of God. Yeah, I don't know if there it exists in other denominations or not. Maybe yeah, a I don't different know version it of it does. Yeah, I remember it becoming like a really big deal at the end of the 90s. Yeah. When everybody was joining Master's Commission and they were like the really serious ones. Yeah. And then there's always like, because it is a discipleship program, there's all these expectations in it too where it's like there's no dating and there's no... Oh, this yeah. This is very strict. It's very strict. Oh, my gosh. I remember having this guy and girl who were both in master's commission help out in the youth group and they weren't dating, but they were definitely yeah, dating. dating. <laughs> like everything else about them was yeah. together. Oh, we all knew those where it was oh, like, yeah. oh, they're undercover. They're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's clandestine Christian love. Yeah. It was undercover. So once I was graduating high school, going into college, my dad had had his last church when I was like 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everything became a lot more lax because I was the youngest of four mm-hmm. and my dad wasn't pastoring full time anymore. And I feel like everything like – it didn't take a turn, but like all those expectations that I feel like my siblings grew up with weren't on me so much anymore. Yeah. That where, makes sense. Yeah. Like if they were going to be involved in this kind of stuff. I mean, my oldest sister went into the Navy. The, the other sister went to Southeastern. My brother um, joined a rock band and like took off, yeah. you know, so. But you, Javon is how many years older than you? Three, three. and a half. Okay. So you mm-hmm. basically had most of high school by yourself. We didn't go to high school together at all. My brother, um, the way that his birthday falls, he graduated as a 17 year old. Okay. Just yeah. the way his birthday yep. is. So um, when he graduated high school, I started. 
Okay. I have never thought about that until right now that like you basically were like an only child through high school. Through high school. And my brother was still in and out of home and my sister because she went to college in the same town was in and out of the house. But But that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. For all intents and purposes, I was being parent – I was the only one being parented at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were all out. So I I just feel like I didn't have those same – cultural societal things where you know my dad wasn't the head pastor anymore so I didn't have these expectations on me yeah to like Like following those yeah stick with it in that way yeah yeah so I did do the local school thing and then went to a university after yeah it was real cheap (laughs) comparatively (laughs) yeah I feel like I stopped admiring people in master's commission things like that when I was around like 14 or 15 yeah where I thought I was like, oh, I was so inspired, but it's because I thought I was supposed to be a certain way. I used to, I mean, I feel like they were the quintessential, like, yeah, that's what you should grow into and want to do. And mm-hmm. um, and then we had crushes on all of them because they were all like- Why the were they college. always hot? I don't know. I, they were just, just, just outside of your reach and just seemed like, Super hot. Oh, yeah. my gosh. They were. For some reason, they were really hot. It was around the time, too, that like Abercrombie and Fitch and like American oh, yes. Eagle and all that. And so they all like dressed well and smelled mm-hmm. good. And mm-hmm. they're all, and like, all like pretty boys. Yeah. It was a good time to be a Christian uh, college student. <laughs> <laughs> but when so when you were in college, though, you were in a Christian college. So you were required to go to church, right? Yeah. I was just about to say this. Yeah. Um, yes. So the, the school I went to was called Evangel. Mm-hmm. Let's just let that You can't in. get more evangelical <laughs> than Evangel. Yep. And it was actually one of the more liberal schools out of some of the AG schools, Assemblies of God schools. But um, we were required to go to chapel. So we had um, chapel at school, like an actual church service. Mm -hmm. That was – I'm going to get this wrong. So for those of you that went to college with me and I know – you know who you are because you've you've reached out to us. But I don't remember how often chapel was. I want to say it was like maybe every day or it was like three or four days a week. That's so much. But you didn't have to go every day. It was like you were required to go – twice a week or something or a certain amount of times per semester and so you could kind of like get them all out or save them up or yeah it was this whole thing and they had get them all out or save them up <laughs> <laughs> well people, that would do that. people wouldn't go for a long time and then they'd be like we gotta go like every single day for the next three weeks to make up our chapel days oh my god! and gosh. the way they would know that you were or were not in chapel is there was like the eye there was like this camera thing at the top of the was it called the eye i don't under think his so. eye under his eye <laughs> whoa but it was like um i mean this was would have been what 2004 so 16 years ago and so i'm actually impressed technology wise but it had it, it knew if somebody was sitting in your seat so sometimes you have a specific seat oh yes that's how they kept attendance and so and so you would sit next to whoever and but then it was funny because there'd be people who sometimes would like be like, can you just go sit in chapel for me? And just like six, they wouldn't know. Somebody just needs to be sitting in your chair. And they would Wild. keep attendance. Yeah. The, God is watching. Yes. He he knows all the eye under his eye. But um, <laughs> so we were required to go to chapel. It was like it wasn't like a grade, but it was like a requirement for attending. Like you could be yeah. put on like probation or like academic probation because of not attending. I don't know. It felt like I was in youth group every single day. Mm-hmm. The school probably had about 2,000 to 2,500 kids, so it's very small. And there's parts about it that I think was actually, as much as I could dog on the community in a way, it also was a good place to start having not have any experience in, in America. So it was like I kind of had my own little cultural 
renaissance or experience before kind of jumping into like the giant school um yeah so you didn't have to go through like complete and total culture shock yeah totally yeah because it was just you know i i lived on campus and i still worked the whole time but you know it was like yeah dipping my toe in just the american experience let alone the christian kid experience right and so i think once i got past like just being 18 and living on my own and my parents living in Africa, then it became very, very um, apparent that this was not the environment I wanted to be in. And this, and at the time, it had nothing to do with like, did I believe in God or did I – anything like mm-hmm. that. It just was so youth group. It's like the only way I know how to explain it. It just felt like it was like we're in youth camp all the time and it didn't seem very realistic. And I was also working jobs outside of this Christian environment. And yeah. so it just felt a little – fake it felt like everybody was putting on a show a little bit sometimes and i don't know if that's just because of coming from i don't know it's just how it felt well also when you have to go that often and do it that much too it's like at some point you're going through the motions everybody yeah that's what it felt like all the time yeah Um, and nobody and the fact that it was so required to you it's not like anybody is going just because they want to yeah you know what i'm saying oh yeah it's like you would get all your days in probably and it's not like you're going you know all the other days that you don't have to be there no nobody would go then right yeah it's so bizarre when I don't know yeah and it just it was a very strict school that for me I felt like I was already pretty grown up and didn't need all of the restrictions like you know we had like a very strict curfew like midnight was the curfew and then you know nobody boys couldn't come to the girls dorms and I mean I know that's common on some other campuses but it's it was just it felt just like a little unrealistic in terms of yeah. growing up well you could also like risk expulsion right like, yeah oh it would yeah kick you out mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely did not do the Christian college thing, but I did get married halfway through college. And when we went away to um, Gainesville, University of Florida, what, what, whoop, whoop. Um, we pretty much immediately were like, let's find a church. Yes. And where we ended up was an Assemblies of God church, but it was compared to what I had gr- grown up in, really progressive. And to a lot of Christians even now, I would say it's probably still really progressive. I don't even think they're part of Assemblies of God anymore because they got too progressive. Yeah. But um, we found for where we were in life at the time an amazing church and very quickly found like our best friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing was we were 20 years old and married and the friends that we made, we joined like a small group and they were all married too, but because we were 20, they were all older. Yeah. So they were like 26, 27, 28, and we were 20, 21, 22. But we just like clicked with these people and there are still like some people that I really, really love even now. Yeah. Um, and our lives have gone in pretty different directions, but um, they're just – it was such a special time in my life. But also we were in college. So we were at the University of Florida, which is a massive school. My school has like 55,000 students. Oh, my gosh. And that's also including the um, – Yeah, like- like the, the master's and, and graduate yeah. degree programs mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But still, it's huge. But you wanted to find your people, I think yeah. is what I was trying to get at. You want to find your people. And we were lucky. We just found people who were older than us. So we didn't see them at school and things like that. We just saw them in small groups and at church. Mm-hmm. And because we were in such a scientific community, though, with the school and an educational, like, you know, people who get stuck in academia, we were in a town like that. Yeah. I think during that time, we both, my ex-husband and I, were trying to approach Christianity as scientifically as possible mm-hmm. while not, like, falling off the deep end. Yeah. So for us, it became a time of really diving into, like, apologetics. Okay. And CDs were still a thing. Mm-hmm. So I remember driving to work because I always work through college, too. I remember driving to work and listening to, like, Mere Christianity by oh, C.S. Lewis. Yes. The CDs. Yep, yep. 
on my way to and from work. And I'm like, this makes so much sense. Like, this is my argument for if somebody says this. And it still is so smart. I mean, it's apologetics, but it's philosophy is, you know, it's Christian philosophy is what it is. And so much of it makes sense. But they're like now I'm like, ah, if I could just sit down with C.S. Lewis, man. Yeah. (laughs) He'd he'd make me look as stupid as ever, but I'd have a few things to say. Totally. I Um, agree. But it was so good. But that was really, that was my college experience was trying to be as scientific about Christianity as possible because I was already, I already doubted so much and had so many questions that I was afraid to ask Mm -hmm. that, um, I was like, okay, this is the way around that was yeah. to dive into these things that make me feel most comfortable with what I believe to like back up what I believe mm-hmm. so that I don't have to face the discomfort of saying I might not believe this. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. I, I think for us in college, when we were at the Christian college and when we left the Christian college, all throughout that time, we church hopped a lot. Like, mm-hmm. And we had a really hard time, which looking back, it's like, this kind of makes sense because we would we'd struggle with certain things at certain churches and it wasn't like a oh I don't like the music it was sort no. of this oh well this church like the message is so like happy go lucky and no no meat to it and this church is like oh they're kind of teetering on the edge of maybe it's like a little too far on I don't know it was just we were searching and never seemed to be satisfied with yeah. the whatever the church was we didn't do any small groups when we were in college. Um, but when I went to Missouri State, I started taking, um, I was a science major, a physics major, and I started taking all these classes. I had already taken some science classes at Evangel, but now I'm taking them from these professors that have no religious background whatsoever and are just like speaking this, their truth, their scientific truth. And it was like the first time I had mm-hmm. heard some things, like the first time I heard about like global warming or something. It was like a very generic science class. I can't remember the title of it. And just things that I'm like, I've never heard these terms because in my society and mm-hmm. my... Um, You're from South Africa. You're like, we know it's hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like there's just terms that I literally hadn't heard because, you know, politics politics is its own thing. But when you're raised in a Christian culture, then there's typically a certain political stance that is taken and like words you just don't hear and science, certain scientific facts you don't hear. Um, just because you aren't around it. And right. so I started hearing all these different things that none of it was like huge in and of itself, but added up to really starting to question my faith in the sense of like, I couldn't reason with the logic, the science, and then some of the Bible stuff. Just right. like right. trying to reconcile. Uh, so I, I should have looked this up before I say th- things like I'm about to say, but like the way I was raised or I feel like the Assemblies of God, how what they teach is that the Bible Bible is very, we take it literally. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these stories and things like Jonah and the Whale and Noah's Ark and all these things are these like- That was 6,000 years ago. Exactly. And like the earth is only 6,000 exactly. years old. And it's like, I don't, I think a lot of people now would probably don't think that, that are in Assemblies of God. But- it was just like my mind was being blown by all of these facts that aren't aren't even presented in an argument sort yeah. of way. It was just like, no, 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 this is just how it is, you know. And I would – I did – I remember coming back from college one year and trying to talk to my dad about some of the stuff and just – and it, it was hard because I'm like I'm also this college kid that's now in this liberal school and 
I'm sure has all these ideas being thrown into my head. And yeah, I was trying to process all of them, but it's like, it felt like information overload. And then it was making me start to question things, but I didn't know how to process that Mm -hmm. questioning either. So we just continued to do the things and, you know, the typical, like go to church every week and do the motions. Um, It's so funny, girl, because I look back at like my college years and that church that we were at there, I loved so much. Yeah. Like even now, that pastor, I don't even like believe what I'm about to say, but that pastor is a man of God. Yeah. <laughs> he and he is so smart and like it does it always helps when your pastor is funny. He was hilarious. Yeah. He like truly funny, not like that down like TBN kind of funny <laughs> pastor. Yeah. He was hilarious like he gets it. Mhm. And he's so just I really think he is like whatever that means to be a man of God and it's the way that he's doing it, but he like transformed during my college years, my Christianity without a doubt. Yeah. Like absolutely transformed it. But then I just like feel like I kept transforming at that time. Um, the friends, we made a really quick core group of friends that was like six people. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the guys in this core of six married people was a geologist. Mm-hmm. And the other guy was um, studying to be a veterinarian. And now he's a like super high level veterinarian. And I'm like, these they're scientists. Yeah. They are scientists. So I was like, if these guys can be scientists and believe like the way that they do so faithfully mm-hmm. and intently and meaningfully and easily in a certain yeah. way, then then I definitely can. I'm like, they know what they're talking about and they believe. Yeah. So it gave me a lot of comfort at that time. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that this core group of friends, you know, they're not just acting on emotion and these kinds of things. Yeah. But there were still, I think, those it's the social issues of Christianity that are so pervasive that eventually led to me being where I am now. Backsliding. Um, yeah, exactly. Back completely. I have biffed <laughs> off of this skateboard. Oh my gosh, I remember some song from childhood about skating into hell. What is yeah, that song? That does song? sound familiar. We can Just look it up. Yep. Skateboard into hell. <laughs> Children's Christian song. <laughs> You're going to skate past those pearly gates. That's how it goes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, I do. Skate I do. Skate past those pearly gates. Oh, it's called You Can't Get to Heaven. <laughs> the song is called You Can't Get to Heaven. It says, you can't get to heaven, no, you can't get to heaven, on roller skates, on On roller roller skates, skates. no, you can't get to heaven, no, you can't get to heaven, on roller skates, no, you can't get to heaven, on roller skates, you roll right past those Those pearly pearly gates. gates. (laughs) Whoa. God. The recesses. Don't know what to say about that. I'm going to leave that there. That song is called, you can't get to heaven. I do. We sing that all the time. Guys. And then there's a Stop singing like, songs like that. They're so poor. Do they still sing songs like that? I don't like know, but please don't if you do. Ugh, I don't know. I don't know. My God. But anyway, my point was that my college years were revolutionary for my faith. But even now, if I ever like want any part of that world in my life again, I kept watching him on like Oh, I remember you guys talking about for him. For years. Yeah, I feel years. like I know him from just listening to how totally. highly you guys spoke of him. Like if we didn't go to Oasis once in a you guys be like, oh, where were you? We're like, oh, we watched our pastor in yeah. Florida online yeah. to catch what he was saying. And he's still so good. And so I like I feel torn about things like that because his convictions are so strong. Yeah. And I think 
in a, in a lot of them so right. That church is where I became introduced to social justice as we know it like now. Okay. Because when I was growing up, my dad was actually in Key West really, really involved with the homeless population. Mm-hmm. But we didn't call it social justice. Yeah. We yeah. called it ministry. Mm-hmm. And then we went to college and I was like, oh, no, like this can be a whole part of your faith is actually doing things and not just evangelizing. No, like Not actual- just trying to save people, yeah. but actually help people. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that can be as valuable as saving someone's soul. And they were like, well, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get, don't get too crazy. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a huge part. I mean, I think that's what we were talking about with mission trips of like, that's what they really should be is sort of social justice missions, not let me make sure that every person across the entire world has heard the name of Jesus because I right. was always taught that like, or it's somewhere in the Bible. I don't know if oh, it yeah, is. Oh yeah, if you don't hear the name of Jesus, like you're going to perish. Yeah, but also like knowing when Jesus is going to return was like, well, every ear needs to hear before that might happen. And that, in my mind, I was like, so are we just counting down until every single right. person has heard? And then Jesus is like, oh, I'm going to jump back up. to earth. And then, you know, it's like a countdown of thinking the rapture is going to happen, which that's its yeah. whole other topic He's going to like Thor his way down to exactly, earth. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I used to think that was so literal, too, and I think for a lot of people it is super literal. Yeah, um, I think so, too. Well, I feel like this kind of brings us, I'm guessing, to moving to L.A., or are we not there yet? No. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm there. When we first came out to L.A., we knew we wanted to find a church quickly, and um, we did. We church hopped a little bit, but our main goal in finding a new church was to get planted somewhere, which is mm-hmm. a very Christian thing to say. Yeah. But like form some roots, get planted somewhere and get involved somewhere because we knew relationships and opportunities and things would come out of that. Yeah. So that's what we did. And that's how we found Oasis. But it was interesting because we tried several different churches and going into them, we would have we would leave and have a discussion about, well, how did you feel about that church and what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? And the things that would like turn us off would be if we went into the church and like they had like a greeter, but then no one else said anything to you. Mm. Things like oh, that. Oh, I remember talking about those kinds oh, of yeah. things. Like you'd walk in. I remember going to certain places that I won't name and <laughs> they're very popular and just like nobody talking to you um, other than, you know, the greeters at the door. And then also it was such a big thing that like the main pastor wouldn't necessarily be at your service because they have five different satellite locations with five different times yeah. and you wouldn't know if you were going to see the main pastor and yours or not are going to get somebody else. So we cared about things like that and social justice and things like that. But things that I completely and only care about now, I didn't care about then, which makes me sad. But I still was coming from the evangelical camp raising, unfortunately, that the LGBTQ community is to be loved but not accepted Mm -hmm. and they're wrong. Yeah. And um, I had no problem back then being in a church that believed that because it's still, unfortunately, what I believed way too long. Yeah. You said that the church, you know, they are to be loved but not accepted. I think a lot of churches would say, oh, no, we accept them. But we're talking specifically about accepting the lifestyle as something that is okay and acceptable. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a great clarification. And I think something that we kind of ran into out here, though, is that and – I, and I don't know that this is a bad thing because – well, we ran into a lot of churches – 
are a bit, um, especially the large ones, watered down yes. in how they talk about what they talk about. I 100% agree. Yes. Completely. And I think at the time, it bothered me. I was like, no, you need to challenge us. You need to challenge me. You need to speak about these things and stand up for things. And now I don't feel that way. I don't think because. I'm like, you're, the stance that you would take on this is so screwed up that please keep your mouth shut about it. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel now, yeah. which is the flip side. It was like the judgmental, cynical, Christian, like we all need to be voices side of me mm-hmm. before where I wanted them to speak up about yeah. things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the same, I mean, we were the same, looking for that same kind of church. And I think what we ran into a lot, and and it still was the case with the church we ended up at is like this whole prosperity gospel thing where it's all about, you know, well, you just do this and then you're going to get this. And it's like, right. it's very, it, I guess kind of like selfish. Like what can we get out of church is churches for me. And, but we, when we came to LA, we had the same thing. We, we didn't end up church shopping because of the fact that we actually knew somebody like one of our only connections out here went to Oasis where we went and and then when we went, we were intending on church shopping and we just like really liked it that first time. It kind of met a lot of the things that we had the same sort of check mm-hmm. marks that we were trying to go down. And I think for us, the biggest thing that I loved when we found um, our church out here um, or the church at the time was the diversity. It was just it was Huge. so amazing to see we that. We cared about that so much. Yeah, it was just amazing to literally not have there was like not one majority race or ethnicity. And it was obviously very youthful. And I don't know. It. I, I think the first it, if it was not the first, it was one of the first they actually had Cy Rogers speak. And Cy Rogers is, is a man who uh, was once gay and now is married and um, says he is no longer gay and basically travels around the country and maybe world telling his story and preaching about his story and how he was changed through God and all these things. And Mm -hmm. at the time, I thought that was incredible that a church would even entertain someone like speaking so openly about that. But at this, but now looking back, it's like I couldn't be any farther from um, that stance, but that's its own thing. But it was a, it was a significant time and we were in our early twenties and we obviously met some of the most amazing people uh, (laughs) of our lives (laughs) through this church and through attending small groups. I mean, just as a side note, you know, Los Angeles is one of the biggest cities in the United States. It is um, a city that you have to make an effort to make friends and it takes time. It takes commitment. And for us, church was it's not, not that it was easy, but it was a solution to that problem. Right. And it, that's why I can't I think it must be so hard to make friends when you don't have that. But yeah, we we joined a small group and I know we talked about this in other other podcasts, but that is how we met almost all of our very close friends out here. It's funny because all of these friends we met and then ended up going on this sort of deconstruction journey. I don't even think intentionally at the same time, but it just, I think it was like the age we were yeah. in and like the journey that we were all on and it all took place at different yeah. times but as we, well. we that group of friends that's still a group of friends but we we're so conversational yeah We'd sit around for hours and talk these things through so while one person might be a little bit ahead of somebody else you know at some point you catch up if you're going to keep going down that same path yeah. and that was the thing is i think part of the reason that this core group of friends stayed close and has stayed close is because 
our conversations and um, things that were troublesome to us resonated with each other. Yeah. And we talked about it. And we talked about it. And it's like, have we agreed on every single thing ever? No. And especially not at the same time. Yeah. But if you take inventory of your past, you know, lots of times, especially as an adult, the friendships that might fade out, especially if you come from a devout background, often are the ones where you divert on faith and opinion and not always faith, but just these big life social kinds of things. Totally. Those are the things that are divide people because mm-hmm. they it, it it can come down to how you feel about somebody's ethics and morality. Yeah, and that's you know? huge. It's huge and it's like and you can love somebody and respect them and still even have fun with them when you disagree with them, but that doesn't mean that they're going to stay like your closest confidant yeah. because there's like a point break. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Where I'm here and you're there and we can love each other from a distance, but I, I can't do life with you yeah. in the same way that you I did before. approach life differently. You're going to see people differently. And, yeah. and on the one hand, you might argue, well, that seems strange to then only want to be around people who are similar to you. But I think that's just also – that's just life. That's part of, like, what happens. Yeah. And and it's not even just being around. That's the thing. It's, like, it's, it's more of just, like, the day-to-day, like, yeah. you're my – best friend yeah you know it's more that is what I think over because I don't want to just be around people who think just like me and clearly that must be on some level true because I don't think like I used to think at all and it's because I've been around people who don't think like me yeah I mean some of my fondest memories are us all sitting around like having all these debates and about every topic under the sun but so many of those times was about God or religion or just really talking about the things we're struggling with. And I remember all of us being at different different places at different times. Yeah. And somehow we've all kind of walked a journey where we've ended up similar places. I would still say, I mean, I can't, I don't know anybody else's personal journey. You know, I can't speak to their heart and their mind, but it seems like we've all kind of come out of it in a similar place. But, you know, most of us are not um, – exercising Christians in the sense of going to church every week or doing those things the way we used to. But I don't know if people would still call themselves Christians or not. That's right. It's funny you say exercising Christians because back when I was like a real, real Christian, I definitely was not exercising. (laughs) I was not in the gym. (laughs) It took losing Jesus to find the gym. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's true, though. But it is funny. Once you come out, so it's kind of like coming out of like this fog almost. And then like now that you have some light in your eyes, there's like – there's like these little bright spots in your eyes and like you are stumbling and you don't know. I don't know that I'm making any sense. No, but you're you making don't total sense. No. If this person is seeing the same thing that you're seeing, so you just mm-hmm. don't ask almost. And we still have conversations, but not the same in-depth ones we used to have because it's almost like the weight of those conversations um, for me at least, has been lifted where I'm like, totally. oh my God, I don't have to wrestle with this all the time anymore. Yeah. Like I can kind of just like live life a little bit yeah. and not – Um, for me, it was such a weight. Yeah, be worrying about our salvation every five seconds. And, and, and mine yeah. and people around me and, you know, just all of it. It's it, like and the guilt. It was like the weight, the guilt, the – Fear. Yeah. Yeah, and the obligation of church as a – is something we had to do. And and again, we've talked about this before, but I do miss parts of it. And I'm not saying I, you know, in all of this conversation, 
ask me five years from now, I might be back in a church going once a week. I, yeah. I don't think that would probably be the case, but I'm not saying that. My therapist be. thinks I should go back. Oh, really? Yeah, I love her. Yeah. Uh, but she just, I what she really wants is for me to have like a spiritual practice. Yeah. That's a little more, um, I guess, regimented in a way that's just a little more intentional. And I'm not opposed to that. But like, I feel like it was part of my life for so long that it was just a duty and an obligation and not a desire. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. I feel the same way. And I, but I do think there's parts of it that I could, I'd have to find the right place, which we've gone to since the the one, the church that we met in, uh, we went to another amazing church that kind of helped us through. I'd say like there was like part A of our journey and then like part B or part one and part two um, was kind of facilitate, facilitated through another church much smaller, but kind of a group of people that are all searching and trying to figure things out in their faith as well. Yeah, it's like the undisciple, the undiscipleship church. Yeah, <laughs> the recovering fundamentalists, as they like to refer to themselves. Is that what they say? I like that. He says that a lot, yeah. Oh, okay. You know, I got to a place where when I was even going to that church, the one that you just referred to, the smaller one that's the recovering fundamentalist, I was still like praying and would have definitely considered myself a Christian yeah, at that time. Me too. And now I don't know if I'm if that's where I know I'm not. I just don't like saying it out loud. Yeah. I still struggle with even saying those words, but I know that's not who I am now. Yeah, and I struggle with how to define myself in this too. And there's parts of me that's that feels like if we're if we're gonna define Christianity as like Jesus is an ideal figure in which to follow. I don't have a problem with that in the term in the sense of like Jesus was an amazing figure. Right. But if you're talking about needing to view him as God, the savior, which I think is included in that, like that's the part that I struggle with where I don't feel like I need Jesus to have been the son of God, whether he was or not doesn't actually matter to me as right. much as I just think he was an amazing person. And I think that's been an interesting conversation we've had with several people in our family is like, let's say you remove the resurrection of Christ. Yeah. Does it all fall apart or do certain things fall apart? And for me, I think I don't need that to be true or false because I think if we're going to just follow Jesus, I think he's a great example by himself. I don't know. Well, that's why I really enjoyed the Jesus is my homeboy movement. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, let's just like be, can we be a little bit more lighthearted about this? But I guess when you feel like souls are on the line, maybe not. Yeah. Um, And I apologize if this is too lighthearted, but I do feel like we need to break down really quick the um, like young, hip pastor style Oh, of the yes. early 2000s it's to present. Great, it's a great point. I feel like we have to talk about this. Yeah. Because when I came to California, well, my pastor back home did a little bit, but not to this extent. But coming out here, there's a uniform. Oh, yeah. There's a uniform. Like the several hundred dollar sneakers. Oh, yeah. You got to have some nice ass sneakers if yeah. you're going to be a pastor in LA. Oh, yes, you do. You got to have a cool haircut. Mm-hmm. You must. Mm-hmm. You do your hair if you're a pastor in LA. Yeah. We don't know if you highlight it. You might. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them might. Or add silver. You do something to oh, it. Oh, yeah. Add silver. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. So depending on the service, you wear a V-neck shirt. Mm-hmm. If it's not, that's probably like Sunday night, Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. But like Sunday morning, like sleeves rolled up. Yeah. With a button down, but it's like a cool button down. Cool button down. It's got to have like a cool pattern. With or an like unexpected pattern. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. got to be like 
bright colors with palm trees or like totally like it's like bright green with like bright pink palm trees or something like that so cool Mm -hmm. and the goal of this shirt is for everyone to go so cool yeah (laughs) like did you see that was really cool yeah that's the goal yeah like they dress like instagram walls yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's true and you gotta have like maybe not a sleeve of tattoos if you do you got a story but if you don't have a sleeve of tattoos you gotta have a sleeve of bracelets yeah like up to the elbow yeah just (laughs) a sleeve of bracelets uh what else some nice jeans oh yeah just like good like slim cut jeans yeah probably have a few holes yeah some distress but like appropriately distressed yeah appropriate. not too distressed we can't see your boxers if you're the pastor no, no. like you want to be um unattainably attractive and by unattainably we mean you're wearing your wedding ring at all times yes <laughs> but you still want everybody to think you're hot yeah yeah like that's clearly what they're going that's 100% for 100 the goal what is with that i don't know they, they got too cool yeah i don't know where that started because i feel like that it does exist other places but it's obviously rampant in the larger cities <laughs> totally and like the main pastor wears like the long sleeve maybe rolled up but like if you're not the main pastor if you're the one who does like the offering collection or like mm-hmm. you're just like the guy who prays in between is like super cool he has kind of like a like he kind of talks like i'm talking right now like he's kind of got like a street thing going on a little bit that guy mm-hmm. he's allowed to wear short sleeves to church but also a button down yeah and then that would be rolled a couple times yeah totally and he's definitely going to get Korean barbecue after church. Yeah. Is every are you coming? Are you coming? Are you we're, coming with we're, me? We're going to get Korean barbecue. We're just gonna we're gonna fellowship. Yep. We're gonna get some Korean barbecue. We're gonna talk. What's going on? <laughs> we're gonna tell me what's going on in your That's life. That's a whole part of the whole uh, culture, I the guess. Whole culture. I'm not even mad about it. Why no, am I being so it's mean? Community. No, it's great. <laughs> it's how you identify because you're like if you show up to a church. Yeah. I don't have to hear what comes out of your mouth if you're dressed a certain way. I'm like. Is it worth staying? I don't know. It might not be worth staying. <laughs> like they need to, there should be a whole Instagram account just for pastors, uh, like for, just for like cool pastors uh, style. Yeah, cool pastor style is. Well, there's the whole what's the pastor sneakers thing? Oh, I haven't seen this. What? Oh, this is what? I think it's literally called. Let me look it up. Oh yeah, pastor sneakers Instagram. Oh what? My Preachers gosh. and sneakers. I'm so into this. Basically, there's this account called Preachers and Sneakers and it's like somebody will say how much I think it is this one. Oh my god. The, the, like how expensive the shoes are that people are wearing like these $1500 shoes or like the the bio says the Lord works in mysterious color ways. <laughs> So this pretty much is what I was just describing. It's not oh, even it's, just sneakers. That's why, oh, it's yeah. all of it. It's their mm-hmm. entire outfits. Oh my gosh, this is exactly what I was describing. Yep. Oh yeah. <gasps> Everybody follow preachers and sneakers. This is a good time. <laughs> oh, this is funny. And the thing is, look, at the end of the day, you do what you want with your money. There's a part of me that like, given the fact that I was a pastor's kid and missionary's kid, there is this idea that, you know, we're, we're not supposed to drive anything nice which we couldn't afford to anyways but you know even if it's like a beat up old bmw like we don't drive that because it's because it's bmw even if it costs like two thousand dollars but there's just this whole idea of image and how to seem uh, i feel like meek or kind of um and i feel like there's a little bit of that that isn't a thing out here and I think just because LA and culture and image is a big deal and that's why part of me as much as we're making fun of it there's another side of me that's just like fine you know if you want to spend your money on that okay I yeah. don't understand it but it's then that the other thing of like being a good steward of your money and maybe they've been a good steward and they can save up and buy that and maybe they've been saving for six years and I'm like I doubt it I doubt it too and I think that's the part that's hard is like 
Well, if you're seeing them in these like crazy expensive, you know, outfits every week, you're like, so is my tithe just paying for your outfit? Right. Well, maybe that's part of the question of to be like in the world, but not of the world. Maybe that's their way of being in the world. Is to dress in $1,000 sneakers? Yeah, I don't know. I think in different cultures too, like just within the United States, there might be this idea that a certain church in certain demographics may think that somebody in that kind of position should dress a certain way because that they are looked up to. Mm. Whereas in another congregation, somebody's going to be judging that because it's like, well, your entire congregation makes below poverty level. Right. So it's kind of like putting it in their face kind of thing. So yeah. it probably just depends on the- Maybe that actually is a good point though, that maybe like you're supposed to take on the stripes of the Like the congregation. You're, yeah, yeah. You're around. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. All I can yeah. say is six shoes bra. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, no, they I, are. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but I just had to like have a moment on that. I don't know. <laughs> I think when I was younger, one of my biggest fears was growing up and being like an Easter Christian mm-hmm. or like a Christmas Christian. Yep. You go the two or three times a year Christian. Yeah. Like I... You know, like you feel sorry for them. Mm-hmm. I always felt sorry for them. Yeah. Like because I felt like they were missing so much throughout the rest of the year. And I guess they were, but not, you know, they don't answer to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it was always a fear of mine. And now I'm not even a Christmas or an Easter Christian. Yeah. The last time I went to church, I did go to a Hillsong service like two Februarys ago, so 2018. Mm -hmm. And before that, the last time I went to church was Easter of 2017. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah, especially given how you By myself. And I'm talking about when I was home for like Christmas, Josh and I went um, with his family and I've been like with my family at different times, but on my own, like where I chose to go. And even that last Easter that I went, I hadn't been in a few months. Just a few months, though. And I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, I need to come soon. Like, I can't just come on Easter. Yeah. It felt wrong. And now I'm not even, like, as bad as what I thought was the worst. No, I know. I I think I can still feel the same feelings. I remember being, specifically, I'd say, like, young in middle school and then obviously in high school and hearing about family members or sort of like people that were within our like extended family who had kind of gone down the path that I would say that we have now gone down. Mm -hmm. And I felt terrible for them and also would pray for them and was told to pray for them and and just kind of thought like how could anybody ever not do the things we were doing and follow in the path that we were in or how could you walk away? And now I totally understand. (laughs) And it's hard because we said this, I think, in the first podcast, but it's kind of like once I feel like once the veil's been lifted a little bit, which I feel like implies like, oh, it's so bad. And and I do want to continue to stress like I don't think it's so bad. I, I want to have respect for people who have chosen to stay in that lifestyle. But for me, it just didn't. It doesn't resonate anymore and it doesn't feel like my truth anymore. Mm -hmm. But now I realize that I'm that exact person and then even further from that of the people that I judged. Now we're getting prayed for. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And our and my kids. Yeah. And I think a big thing too is like it's not even like my family is of course a part of it, but even I have old friends that I'm like sometimes I think to myself like oh my gosh I've probably let them down so much like yeah. they're probably so sad and on some like maybe that's saying a lot, but I'm like no they probably are they probably are sad and you know on some level heartbroken that I'm 
quote unquote lost or whatever, Mm -hmm. again, which is another term for backslidden. I think that pains me more a little bit is to be like, no, I'm still me. And that's the thing is I'm still me. Mm -hmm. I'm just me without the fear, the baggage, (laughs) the shame. Yeah. Like in a certain way, depending on how you think about it, Jesus has set me free. Yeah. Because I feel free of those burdens that I feel like I carried my entire life. I totally agree. And the burden of other people as well, like being so fearful for them and of them, of what they're doing with their life. And now I don't have that same fear. If anything, the fear I have is what are you doing with your one and only life right now? Mm -hmm. That's what I fear. Yeah. Well, I think we were taught to, we're always looking ahead, always looking to what's after this current life. Which this is life so is crazy. only about the afterlife. Yeah. And then not thinking about, well, what what are we living for for today or for mm-hmm. tomorrow and not like mm-hmm. when we die. And even so even like that point is so great because that's something that never even clicked for me until I was in my college church in Gainesville with that amazing pastor. He would he like broke down the Lord's Prayer and he was like, when it says thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he broke it down for the first time for me. I always thought about that as when we are in heaven like everything we're living for is for that. And he broke it down that like, no, things on, we're supposed to create heaven on earth. Yeah. We're supposed to create things on earth to be as beautiful as heaven would be. Mm -hmm. And that was like a beginning of turning in my faith where I was like, oh, we're supposed to care about this life, Mm -hmm. not just to get to the next one. We're supposed to care about what we're doing with it now. Like social justice. Yes. We're supposed to be replicating whatever heaven might be now as best as we can to our ability. Yeah. That blew my mind yeah. at like 20, 21 years old. Yeah. I had never been taught that. Everything here is for the purpose of what happens after death. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just was such like a hard left turn, <laughs> left turn <laughs> in my Christianity and my faith where things started clicking like, oh, we don't all interpret the Bible the same way. How far does this go? Yes. Oh, that was, I've, yeah, I feel like we barely talked on that, but that, I feel like that was huge in this, in the 20s, is realizing as you talk to more and more people and just expose yourself to more, I feel like expose sounds so hot. dramatic. Sounds yeah. hot. But it's like, the more you surround yourself with people who are not like you, the more you can learn and understand other people's viewpoints. And it's just like opening up your mind. It's like literally going to school, but in a social setting and realizing everything we were taught. It's not even that it's wrong. It's just that it's one perspective out of of hundreds. Yeah. And realizing like, oh, you mean you read the Bible and didn't interpret that literally or or this part of the Bible – you know, yeah. it, whatever. It's, and again, to use the term again, but break point, it's like, where is that sp- place for you where now we're not even practicing the same faith anymore? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, how much of this matters where it doesn't matter anymore? Yeah. No, I think that's – and I think that's what that journey was in our 20s is yeah. one little thing would come up and you'd kind of have to weigh that. Is this – Am I going to accept what has been presented to us our whole life? Like if we get into the whole LGBTQ community, because for a long time I wrestled with it and trying to understand whether I felt like how we were raised was right or wrong and then hitting a point where, okay, I don't agree with the church, but is it enough for me to walk away from the church or is it something that I can just wrestle with and know that I feel like there's a, a part or I feel like part of my journey, and I don't know if this was the same for you or other people that went on this journey, where you're like, no, I need to stay in church and kind of be a light within the church to try to like help oh, sure. expose that side of, of saying, 
no, we're not doing this part right. Like this, I don't really, I don't know that that's how the Bible was supposed to be interpreted here or there. And you mm-hmm. kind of want to sort of spread the word within the church. Right. Um, because you're so scared of false prophets. Yeah. Like my biggest fear growing up. Is, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like every Democratic president ever was definitely a false prophet. Yeah. <laughs> With the Antichrist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. There's so many things we could get into. It's like so many things are popping up in my head that we didn't talk about. But I think like we say pretty much every time, this is such a bigger topic. So it's going to go a lot of places in the weeks to come. Mm -hmm. But I think where I'm at now is trying to understand my life as someone who does not go to church. Yeah. I don't go anymore. I'm kind of okay with going with someone but like if you need to like if I'm yeah. you know out of town or whatever and I'm with somebody who goes to church um but I'm not going to go out of my way to either but understanding myself now like how can I still be a spiritual person how can I honor my history while moving forward without mm-hmm. having to relive my history mm-hmm. I have like guilt and things about that um, and again, like my – I love my therapist. She's great. I think she's Catholic. I don't know. But she – statistically speaking, people who depart from their faith, um, whether it's their 20s, 30s, whatever, at some point in their life come back to it. That's what I've read too. Yeah. And that scares me. Okay. <laughs> but statistically, that's a thing. Yeah. So I try not to be so high on my horse mm-hmm. that I've struggled with th- through all these things and – have gone through a deconstruction. Well, I'm at a place now where I'm deconstructed. Like the apartment building has been ripped down. (laughs) It has been demolished. It Mm -hmm. is vacant. Like it doesn't exist. It is dust on the ground. And something I do feel like the pull that something needs to be rebuilt in its place. I agree. And I like it needs to be gentrified. I don't know what needs (laughs) to happen, but I want something and Mm -hmm. I don't know what that thing is. And I don't want any old thing. I want something that does resonate with me. And that's going back to what you mentioned earlier, the thing of like Jesus Christ the person mm-hmm. homeboy does resonate with me yeah. <laughs> he, he is what I grew up with but he's also I mean it's one of the biggest religions in the world like yeah. what there's like three four huge ones it's one of them yeah. like there's yeah. you know there's eight billion of us and a lot of us are doing this Jesus thing yeah it's just you know I'm not opposed to the Jesus thing I think for me the crux of like the resurrection and things like mm-hmm. that are where it boils down and I'm like that is the problem yeah you saying that you know the, 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 the way the truth and the life the only way that yeah. I think for me is the biggest problem but I am in this place now where I don't want to ignore hate or like shun the Christian culture, but I don't want to accept it the way I grew up with it anymore. Yeah. I, I do not. I yeah, don't. No, I It's agree. not that I don't want to. I can't. Yeah. I'm not in that place anymore. And the, there's a lot of disgust in the Christian culture. I, I've been around a lot of evangelical people who are so disgusted with everything else in the world. And I'm now on the flip side where I'm like disgusted with them and I don't want to be that way either. Yeah. So totally. I and don't know. We recognize that because I I feel like that's something that even in doing this podcast, you'll probably hear bits of it, even though we're trying to probably be a little more politically correct at times and also not. But um, <laughs> now that we've gone on the other side, it's and maybe I'll even just say like I remember in the first episode and we kind of jokingly said, you know, that we've become enlightened, you know, yeah. it, or we feel that way sometimes. But that's not to say that that's putting down anybody else's journey. It just feels like it's hard when you do truly feel like a veil has been lifted. And sometimes this may not make any sense, but sometimes I'm really bummed that I didn't just grow up like Catholic because I feel like I so many people that are Catholic and I'm totally generalizing here. But it's like they just have this this idea 
idea of their faith and it's just kind of simple and it's not real like flashy and yeah. people live their life and it's just this other part of their life. Whereas for me, I feel like it was just so ingrained in every aspect of my cell that it's it's like I feel like I got to get rid of all of it and then I'm going to have to decide what I'm going to pick back up. Yeah. And what you're going to rebuild in its place. Yeah. What is it going to be? Yeah. So I think we do sense that there's something missing and it's not Jesus living in our hearts. I think it's just this idea of spirituality and ritual and something beautiful about, you know, having a sort of spiritual faith of some sort. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to articulate that correctly, but. I think you did a great job. <laughs> I think you've done a great job all night. Oh, you too. You too. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, this is a goodie. This okay. went deeper than I expected. Yeah. Right, well, I think what I want to do is like start to to go go there a little bit because we are going to have to just like dive deep at some point. I know. Which it might be a little uncomfortable, but. Isn't that a song by. Um, it totally that, is. That um, di- oh my God. I'm diving, diving in. I'm, I'm going, going deep. deep. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> is that like Stephen Curtis Chapman or somebody? It's not Stephen Curtis Chapman. I don't think. It is. It is? Oh, it is Stephen Curtis I Chapman. I found it is. I'm diving deep. I'm going in. Oh my God. How funny. Every <laughs> single week I feel like we go, can that song play us out? Yeah. We don't do it. Let's continue to not. But that's the song that is going to quote unquote play us out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was enlightening. Yeah. I think uh, our listeners, can we call them backsliders now? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, That's what we, we, yeah. I'm just kidding. But we appreciate you. Thank you again. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Fill fill in the blanks. There's a lot of holes in here. Fill in the blanks where we left off and let's continue the conversation. Yes. And I mean, because of the title, what was it, uh, Before We Backslid, we will soon get into the deconstruction of our faith and what that looks like. Um, we TBD. But next week, we'll probably do something really, really light, like totally. list your favorite animals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It will not be next week. <laughs> we will keep you waiting a little longer on that. But thank you so much for listening to us. And please continue to share your thoughts, feelings. Truly love hearing it. Love getting those messages. And Share with your friends if you feel like it. Yeah. So. Totally. Share it with your mother. Yeah. Say hello to your mother for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a blast. We like you and we love you. We love you and we'll talk to you next week. Toodles. Bye.